There is none who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to cling to you. I've had the privilege of being able to see the show Handel's Messiah a few different times. You might actually be more familiar with that show than you think. That's where we get the great Alleluia from that you see in all the movies, the Alleluia, Alleluia. And the whole show is truly spectacular. I got to see it at the Kaufman in downtown Kansas City just a couple of nights ago, and it is just massive. You have 200 musicians, a choir of like 150 of 50 musicians. Amazing, truly glorious. And the amazing thing to me is we're in the downtown of Kansas City, not necessarily a super religious place, packed with hundreds, really thousands of people to listen to Scripture for two hours. Every single word of that performance is straight from Scripture. The prophecies foretelling Jesus' coming, His birth, His passion, His death, His resurrection, all the way through. And during that great Alleluia, everyone stands just like at Mass. It's the most amazing thing. Sometimes I wonder when I'm at this performance, do they know that this is all about Jesus? Well, towards the end of the performance, I was following along with the words in the program, and all of a sudden I lost my place because I realized they had skipped like six, seven, eight lines. And I was a bit confused, and then I saw on the program, it said, indeed, we were going to skip this part of the performance. And so I looked through those lines, and much to my dismay, it's the only time in the two hours that Jesus' name is actually used from Paul's letter to Timothy that begins with, Where, O death, is your sting? Where, O death, is your victory? Thanks be to God who has given us the victory in Christ Jesus. I was very sad that that was not part of the performance because the show is called The Messiah. And we actually know who the Messiah is. And his name is Jesus. I want to assume the best intentions, but I can't but help but feel that that was removed because it might divide people or it might be uncomfortable for people to hear the name of Jesus. There is none who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to cling to you. Before we cast too many stones, we have to realize, and I have to realize, that I do this all the time. One of my brother priests, he, we were sharing earlier this week in our priest small group about how he had been listening to another priest talk about this scourge, this plague that's in the priesthood. And I would say it's probably in all of Christian life. And that is the plague of self-preservation. Self-preservation. Preservation. Basically, when it comes down to it, out of fear, I change my behavior away from what I know I probably ought to do. So, self-preservation. I'm afraid of using the name of Jesus in public because it might make people uncomfortable. Well, maybe that looks more like I'm uncomfortable making the sign of the cross in public right before praying for my meal. 
right? That's something that we've all encountered at one time or another, that awkwardness. Uh, should I do it? Should I not? I don't want to make other people feel like they should be, but I know I need to be. Maybe it's just the fear of letting other people know that you're Catholic by saying, oh, what'd you do this weekend? Well, I went to Mass. Oh, you went to Mass. You're Catholic. Well, maybe it's not so much the fear of man and what other people are going to think. Maybe the fear is, I'm not going to have enough for myself if I give. I can't give God this time in the morning because I have so many things to do. I don't have time in my day. I have all these other important things to do. And if I give God this time, then I lose something for myself and I won't have enough. I can't be generous in giving to others and giving to charity because I might not have enough for me. I might not have enough for my retirement, right? This human calculation, and I do this all the time. I do it in terms of like sleep and energy and exercise. Unless I have these things, then I can't do what I need to do. I won't have enough. And of course, I'm not saying that we don't take care of ourselves. We should strive to have a good amount of sleep, exercise, diet, and all the things. But I'm saying everything comes down to calculation. That's not a healthy mentality. And I do this, I do it all the time. Out of a place of self-preservation, I've already made the calculation and therefore I've already made the conclusion. I didn't get enough sleep last night, so I'm just going to be grumpy today. I've already decided that's what it's going to be. This time of Advent, as I said at the beginning of Mass, is a time of vigilance and preparing space in our hearts for Jesus. The theme of the readings today is be awake, be alert. And if we're so caught up in self-preservation and being turned in on ourselves, we can't be awake, we can't be alert to recognize that Jesus is already here loving us, and we won't be able to fully read receive him in the Eucharist, and we won't be able to fully enter into the celebration of Christmas in a few weeks. And so I would challenge all of us, as we head into Advent, treat this like a little Lent. In Lent, the question is, what are you going to give up? Yes, it is important. What is your sacrifice going to be that prepares space? But just as important as what you're going to give up a legitimate good, whether it's your shows or certain kinds of food, certain kinds of drink, or maybe adding that exercise, just as important would be the time that you give to Jesus. If you're not already doing the 15 to 30 minutes with Jesus every day, that's the best place to start. If you have yet to make it to confession, all right, I'm going to make it to confession before the end of Advent. If Sunday Mass is not yet a non-negotiable, I'm going to make it to every Sunday Mass. If Sunday Mass is already a non-negotiable, maybe this Advent you can add an additional time that you go to church. The key is that we're preparing space, we're self-sacrificing, moving beyond this place of self-preservation and calculation in order to realize that Jesus actually provides. I'm reading this book that is one of my forever books that will accompany for the rest of my life. And it's called The Impact of God. It's on the spirituality of St. John of the Cross. One of the convicting lines is something along the lines of, in order to find that God actually provides for you, you have to live as though he actually will. Which is to say, you have to leave him space in order to provide for you. But if we 
if I am always calculating and not leaving any margin or room for God to provide out of a place of fear and self-preservation, I don't need to exercise faith. But the problem is it creates more anxiety because I think it all depends on me. I have to control everything. And so we pray, Jesus, we repent of all the ways that we have succumbed to the fear of man and what other people are going to say and making decisions based on that. Jesus, we repent of all of the ways out of self-preservation. We have not been generous with our time and our attention first to you, but also to our brothers and sisters and their need. In all the ways we have not been generous because we're afraid we're not going to have enough and we'll be deprived of that which we need. Jesus, pour into our hearts a new spirit of charity that casts out all fear. Pour into our hearts a spirit of generosity. I rebuke in the name of Jesus all fear in our hearts, all fear of man from our minds, so that we can abide in the truth that Jesus is here and we have nothing to fear. He will provide. Jesus, we entrust ourselves to you. We give you permission to make space in our hearts and our minds and our lives for relationship with you. Jesus, save us from all self-preservation. Help us to call upon your name with boldness and confidence. Jesus, the Messiah.